This is Creative Placemaking, presented by Tom Jones, President and CEO of Artscape, on November the, what's today, 16th, 2010. Hello, everyone, and welcome. Uh, my name is Tim Jones. I'm the President and CEO of Artscape in Toronto. And I'm thrilled to welcome you to our session today uh, that is titled, Creative uh, Design in Art Spaces and Fueling Urban Growth. And in the spirit of autonomy that um, we heard from Daniel speak this morning, the panel got together and decided to rename the panel. And we're now talking about creative placement, which is really a synthesis of all of those other things. Uh, let me start by um, introducing our, our esteemed panel. And really, it's an international panel coming from many different perspectives. We have Phil, Phil, uh, Phil and Cochran, uh, who's here as the director of SNAP, in, uh, in, uh, in, uh, in Belgium. So, Philip, if you can stand up and say hello. Who is a um, uh, professor at Tampere University in Finland. <laughs> Washington Mendez, Mendez uh, Fayardo, I just butchered your name, from Raven Beach in Wall, from Guam and um, the Edinburgh International Science Festival in Edinburgh. And also from the city's very own Grand Elliot, the president. So we're going to sort of format for today. I'm going to give a little presentation to give you some context around creative placemaking. Talk a little bit about our case work and some of the lessons that we've learned in this field. Uh, and then each of the panelists is going to present for about five minutes to give you a taste of the kind of work that we're, uh, that we're doing. Then we're going to have a panel discussion uh, among us, uh, addressing a number of questions that we've been talking about over lunch today. And following that, there'll be an opportunity for people to jump in and ask questions and share your own uh, thoughts and, and comments. Um, you know, you never get the sense that there's a disconnect in our cities and towns from the kind of things that the market wants to build, the high-rise greenfield development, the shopping malls, the big box uh, retail centers, and what the public can afford to build, uh, the traditional government buildings, schools, universities, hospitals, and the kind of communities that we all want to live in. Does anyone feel that kind of disconnect? Um, uh, I know that this is a kind of there's a discussion happening internationally about this, and it's really given rise to a movement called the New Urbanism. People heard about that. It's really about sort of um, uh, returning to licenses in, in town centers. It's about pedestrian, more transit-friendly uh, uh, spaces, you know, more focused on public space, certainly on architecture and design and landscape, and, and sort of design really that celebrates local culture and history and, and heritage, ecology, etc. Really, place making is a you could describe as a kind of the field of practice that. Um, is about implementing the new urbanism. It's really about um, uh, building quality of place. And there's both an art and a science to this, uh, this work. Uh, creative placemaking, uh, by contrast, isn't just placemaking wearing a fancy hat, for example. It's really about lever leveraging the power of art, culture, and creativity uh, to build quality of place. And there are examples of that in all over the world. I'm going to share three on international examples of uh, people who've done kind of crazy things in different uh, parts of the world. The first is a story from Gates that you do have one of the 
seminal criticism of stories. And she said New Council in England was really a, a community that was um, uh, trying to recover from years and years of uh, um, deprivation, social deprivation, poverty, and when manufacturing sort of began to collapse in the 70s and 80s, things were pretty desperate there. So along came this guy, uh, who had an idea of how he might help change the mindset of this place. In fact, I don't know whether that was his motivation, but certainly that's how many people talk about this work today. He was involved, uh, as you may know, this is Anthony Gormley, who was involved in creating the creating Angels and Oaks, the largest public sculpture in Britain. And this project uh, was the first of many initiatives, interventions, really, in the urban landscape uh, that opened the way to new ways of thinking about uh, the city and uh, welcoming uh, people into the city in a way that can never happen again. And for those of you who know the story of Gateshead, you absolutely know that uh, things didn't stop with the Angels and North. They went on to many other uh, uh, fantastic inspired uh, architecture institutions and involved, etc. Then there's a story about this, this kind of uh, slightly crazy, slightly brilliant guy who was elected mayor of France, one of the largest cities in Albania, and um, inherited a city uh, that was falling apart, had no money, and faced um, some of the same kind of issues, social challenges, financial, economic, uh, he decided his city had more than any kind of infrastructure problems. He decided to have a psychological problem. He thought if you're a kid and you're growing up with life, it kind of looks like this, it's gray and depressing and falling apart. How do you imagine it? So he harnessed the power and the talent of a lot of creative people and started transforming the place into a piece. And as they were doing this, some of them pretending that they were going to solve deep-seated social and economic problems with a quote pain. But they did understand that provoking a change in the urban landscape could actually change the way that people thought about their, their environment. And sure enough, this um, Eddie Rama went on to win the uh, World Mayor of the Year Award uh, several uh, years ago for having completely transformed uh, that city. And then a little closer to home, the story of Duke Kentucky. People here have been to the Duke of Kentucky. A few of you. And that's a place where sort of, um, really um, part of the challenge was was there any dare there? And along came this guy, the guy, town planner, who hooked up named Mark Burnett, who hooked up with a an artist friend of his to develop the Paducah Artist Relocation Strategy. Their theory was people were getting pushed out of Chicago, New York, San Francisco, and other places, and they would just try to attract them to move there. The problem is that the part of Paducah uh, that they were working on in Lower Town was really falling apart, and it was very difficult to, uh, to do that. But they created this great campaign, really, with no money in them. Uh, ingenuity called the Duke Artist Relocation Program. It went viral in today's terminology and uh, the thing got a lot of national and media play. And sure enough, 100 artists moved in to Duke And there, there, the whole premise of this is that they were giving houses away to artists. And the houses kind of looked something like this, or at least they look like this now. Uh, to make a long story short, what was once a very kind of Sleepy little uh, town has overnight uh, been transformed into a place that's full of galleries and cafes and uh, shops, and, and the lower town really has a very different look and feel uh, today. So, those are three quick examples of stories of creative place making around the, the world. Uh, our work at Artscape, uh, we're a not for, uh, 25 year old not for profit organization that makes 
creativity and transform the communities at the same time. Uh, we've developed and currently manage 10 different projects in, uh, all in Toronto, and they provide a mix of work and live workspace, rehearsal, exhibition, performance, retreat space, all kinds of ancillary spaces that artists are in the communities. But most important, as important as they serve for the arts community, they also have a role in regenerating each of the communities that they're part of. <coughs> really for us, our knowledge around the placemaking really sort of happened largely as a result of our involvement as a development partner and anchor tenant in something called the Distillery Historic District. It's a very long story that I don't have time to share with you today, but um, suffice to say this is a sort of a fairly large project, project 12 and a half acres, 44 Victorian industrial um, buildings, that kind of closed in 1989, various attempts to bring it back to life with uh, restaurant and retail and other commercial uses failed. And uh, a new private sector developer purchased the site and understood that the arts would play a role in the regeneration of this place. Um, to make a very long story short, what was imagined happened in eight years happened in about 18 months. So 70,000 people showed up for a And the lessons that we learned now to the distillery district were applying in a different context to achieve different things. And those that I'll, I'll come to those in a few minutes. Some of our other projects involve um, participating in large redevelopments. This is Canada's oldest and most infamous social housing experiment, Gong Long, uh, built to the 40s, about 69 blocks in downtown Toronto. Um, after many years of um, decay, the only solution was to tear the whole mess down, move out 7,500 people temporarily, move them back in to save new identified developments. And we're in the process of imagining what an arts and culture center can be in the context of the concept of construction of the American Culture Center there. That will provide new glue to the built community growing from 7,500 to 17,000 people. We've been involved in another area of Toronto called Liberty Village, which has one of the highest concentrations of creative sector employment in the country. And we're now in the process of building a new Toronto Center for Creative Sector Entrepreneurship. So we've applied our sort of thinking and methodologies in a whole bunch of different ways. There are really three big lessons that we've learned about this work in place making. This is an old transit uh, streetcar repair facility that we took on in uh, 19, uh, sorry, uh, year 2001. It's really a symbol of what was wrong with the growth in the era of development park and And uh, sat there for almost 30 years without people being able to figure out what to do with it's a bit of a picture of the smell on the inside of the building. And um, today it looks more like this. It's a hive of all kinds of different types of activities. Uh, it, it includes in a studio barn, 26 units of affordable artists live for the space, 15 artists for studio, and a one gallery. The covered street is a large, open, programmable space that's used for community events and festivals. Every weekend, I'm just about 2,000 people depend upon that for a farmer's market. The community barn uh, provides space for all different not-for-profit arts and environmental organizations. And part of the thinking here was how do you create space for artists and environmental to work on things like shoulders and to do cool things for the city. And the green barn, we partnered with the food bank, uh, providing food to low-income families on site. And here they created a center for agriculture, where they can keep food from the growth and the food uh, uh, program. 
So it's this mix of ideas, and, and more importantly, the way that we develop the decisions from the ground up has given us the, the power and what the catalyst to attract the interest in investment, the $22 million we need to raise to make this uh, project happen. The second big, big example, or the big lesson, is uh, the importance of bringing together a cluster of critical mass of creative people. In all of our projects, uh, bringing together the um, if you look at the capacity of individual players, small arts or environmental organizations, low-income artists, nobody has a lot of capacity. But collectively, they're a force to be reckoned with. And they, they do things that change communities and neighborhoods. So understanding that dimension has been really key to our uh, practice. And finally, the third ingredient is about the diversity of uh, people and diversity of uses. Uh, we learned a very important lesson from Jane Jacobs. I did, actually. Um, Green Roof on downtown Toronto Warehouse, where she once grabbed my hand and said, Tim, I love what you're doing, don't just do it for artists, it was great get-ups. And I thought at the time, Tim, what are you talking about? That's what we do. But she was absolutely right. The more that we can admit artists with other community uses, other interesting things for my folks, the more organic and diverse and interesting dynamic those communities are. So those are three big lessons that we've learned about that big place. I'll just kind of close by, by talking about the uh, three new trends that I feel. The first thing is that um, we need to get beyond this idea that there's only the public and private sector in terms of what can happen in the resulting sphere. What we're seeing is a completely kind of continually, continually diverse, diversified kind of field and approaches to development, including social enterprises, which I'm going to hear a little bit today from Vienna about. Uh, the second thing uh, is about a much more sophisticated form of uh, community engagement, moving beyond what's required in terms of uh, public conversation and well beyond the kind of development that happens in many places to uh, more community involved and something happened there. Uh, more community involved, in fact, even community led uh, development. And then finally, it's really all about aligning people to these interests. We find in our work to talk to people about the arts, whether you're working in community economic development or any number of public policy areas, whether you're a private developer, whether you're a community activist, people want the same opportunities. They want healthy, vibrant, dynamic communities. And those of us in the creative community have a huge goal of life now to make those things And so, yeah, that's why we're very optimistic about the future of our work and the future of uh, creative placemaking and the emerging development field of practice. <coughs> so now, without any further ado, I'm going to turn it over to Bill, who will tell us about his work in well. Of things which we define as a form of urban agriculture. Um, 
I'm running a museum for Constantinia, which means that, of course, we, the main task of the museum deals with the collection and deals with uh, making and doing contemporary exhibitions within a national and international scope. But this is for me and for us, I will speak uh, in terms of us because we are seven people. For us, it is, there is more because we consider the city as um, our garden, as our laboratorium, and we think that as a museum we have to assume a cultural, political, social, environmental responsibility towards the city. Um, it's not logic for every museum in the world. Um, it's logic for a museum which, since the early 70s, uh, developed a, a series of exhibitions and a series of projects that really connected towards the city and which connected with certain um, uh, activities which are, uh, can be named as non-artistic activities in the city. And today I want to talk to you specifically about one project, which is entitled Take, which in Dutch is not just such a pleasant title, which is entitled um, Cancer in Culture and, uh, and Art. And um, it's a collaboration between the Museum for Contemporary Art and um, a hospital in Ghent. And it is exactly the hospital who came to see us five years ago with a specific question, could we, uh, could we develop a collaboration between a museum and a hospital? specifically for the cancer department, specifically for people um, being treated uh, for, uh, for cancer. And of course this is not such an, um, an easy thing to deal with. It's not so logical to, to engage in such a project. We talk about life and death, we talk about experiences, we talk about uh, uh, things which one cannot foresee, which affect really one's life um, in, a, in a definite or indefinite term. But after a while we were convinced that as a museum it was our task to do so, but to do so in a way which would not be the most obvious or not the easy way. The most easy way for me, and this is happening too much, is that I would be commenting an artist and that the artist would be fancying up um, the corridor or the rooms of the patients or, or doing something in the hospital, and that at a certain moment of time that the, the general director of the hospital would be happy and there would be an official moment with the deputies of the city and so on and so on. This could be a possibility, but this is of no interest for the artist, nor for the hospital, nor for the museum, for sure not for the patient. We wanted to develop a project answering the problem of the hospital, answering the needs of the hospital, but whereby we were trying not um, to, to, to put all the other partners in the center of action, but to question what the patient could need or how the patient could relate to art in a moment of his or, his, or, his or her life that he is not thinking on art at all. That you are thinking about your survival, that you are thinking about getting better, that you are thinking about the future, uh, your future and your family's future and so on and so on, but that uh, you are not thinking on one or another stupid artwork made by one or another artwork. But if you take into consideration this element as a real element, and if you take this as a starting point, um, the same is true for other conflicts in, in peripheral neighborhoods of the city. Um, if you take this as a starting point, then I think one can have like the catalyzing moment to define a project whereby it's not so much about saying it's about um, uh, quantifying elements, about uh, uh, defining something in terms of success, but that it's about like the real encounter between art, independent of whom is defining it, and the person in question. And for us, two elements came to the, to the front. It might be eight minutes, I apologize. Two elements came to the front. Uh, first of all, the fact that the patient is commuting between the hospital and his uh, private sphere. 
between the medical uh, unpleasant uh, context of, of the hospital uh, um, and the, the, the private atmosphere of, of his or her family, uh, whereby he is like um, having comfort and feeling okay. And the other thing was the fact that the, the disease is not only affecting the, the patient himself, but that it also affects his peer group, and that it also affects his family and his friends, so that it has some, um, some um, uh, wider consequences than just the medical report as being articulated by uh, the doctors and the therapists. At a certain moment of time, we're sitting together, not only with one um, surgeon or with one doctor, but we involved like a group of 20 or 30 people of the hospital, all involved within the oncological part um, of this hospital. This means the cleaning ladies, this means the, the nurses, this means uh, uh, the logistics person, everyone who touches in one or another sense the curing process or the, the medical treatment of, of these patients. And also with some patients we have some contact and based on this we were thinking, okay, we should answer something which, um, uh, which, which uh, answers this, the fact of this commuting, of the back and forth between the hospital and the private, private space, and the fact of this, that it's not the only the patient himself, but the wider um, surroundings. And to make a very long story, which lasts already five years um, short, we came to this object, which is a box, which is a plexiglass uh, box, which is this size, so I can hand it over very easily to you, which is which one, one to say, which is a model of a museum, but which is also like the, the model of a, a box of medicine. Uh, which is also the model of the white cube, which is for me like uh, there are hundreds uh, associations which deal with uh, art history and so on and so on, but this is my context, it's not the context which comes to the But in the book you see an um, object, you see 28 objects, you see a drawing by a Bulgarian artist, you see a bronze object by a Portuguese artist, you see a sound piece by a Swedish artist, you see something by a Belgian artist, this is an object by a Japanese artist, this is an object again by a Belgian artist, this is by an American artist in New York, a German artist, a Cuban artist, a Dutch artist, Dutch artist, and so on and so on. And these 28 objects, ranging from bronze to plaster to uh, sound pieces to uh, textile to drawings to comic strips and so on and so on, they are all in this box. Like a game, like a, like a gambling game or like a monopoly game or like a kind of nomadic uh, exhibition which can be transformed. And we made not only one of these boxes, but as you can see on this image, we made 70 of them. So 70 nomadic traveling exhibitions, which are in this room in the hospital. So in dialogue with the hospital, the hospital decided to give us a space connecting all the rooms where the patients are being treated. There is one space, a long space, which is being designed by an architect, where you see no references to the hospital complex anymore, but whereby you have two sets being uh, separated by the boxes. And this is like the meeting point for the older coaches, for the doctors, for the patients, and from where these boxes are being distributed all over the city. Right at this moment that we are talking here together, 50 of these boxes are being, dis are being uh, distributed in the city of Ghent and its surroundings. That means in 50 families, maybe in the living room or in another place, I don't know where, and I even don't want to know it, there is a room that is not standing, closed or open, I don't know, and you have the potential that in a moment of your life, that things are black, that you don't have any future for, uh, in your mind, 
that suddenly this person is brought in the state of being, let's see what's in it. Let's discover this wrong object. Let's discover this wrong. Let's see what this always means. And at the moment of time on the table, on, your, on the table of your living room, where you discuss matters, where you mourn, where you have pleasure, where you have fantasy, and so on and so on, that suddenly this object might give you something to communicate with, with yourself, or something therapeutic, or something which you can use with the other uh, person in your family or with neighbors, but whereby suddenly there is a context within a space in the city, and within a private space in the city, where there is a potential, uh, a potential visionary aspect of art. And I think this is something unique, and that sense, not only that it's for me very important that in this kind of um, urban acupunctural sense, that in 50 anonymous spaces, the artworks are present, being used or not, for in my sense they can even, uh, they may even be stolen, I don't mind, because when an artwork gets stolen, it's kind of an act of love for me. Don't do it in But at the same time, what we see, and this is even more important, that today the project lasts already four years and has to last even much longer, that within the context, which is a medical context, that there is a discussion going on between doctors and between all the different persons about art and which position art can take within a medical context. That today, patients themselves, when they get a therapy, are asking for this box in order to, to, um, to use the, the box, in order to see what it can mean for them. And it means that as a museum, we assume the responsibility in order not to, to position art on a square as I've seen some of the sculptures uh, walking uh, to this uh, congress hall, but that mentally and in the mind, people can start thinking about art, what art really can mean in our society. That it's not something which is in the background, it's kind of a decorative act, but it is something which has to contribute to our society in the real sense, in the real creative sense, as does as law, medicine, uh, and all the other reasons we have in society. I have to read the stuff. I apologize for this. I would like to go on, but I'm looking forward to the next panel.
resource sectors, and also provided uh, most of the funding for our project. But what uh, are the urban towers, actually? They are something like this. Old industrial site, underused or vacant, vacant uh, site. They could be anything. Uh, <laughs>
and uh, start to uh, turn the story of those fellows uh, positive. Uh, even then we can do by, by stimulating and promoting those traditional uh, users to get even also opening the place for public. Then we start, uh, start to study those uh, space of possibilities. We, uh, we uh, create our technical visions uh, how, to, how, how those uh, sites could be uh, used in the future. Uh, and finally, we try to match space consumers and producers. Uh, this is how we work with our uh, organization during the project. In the middle of it, we have the network provider which was the creative content program. Then we have the usual groups of state consumers, state producers, public infrastructure. And then uh, our project there at the edge. We have a fellow bank, the mapping of fellows, and we were fellow developer or fellow uh, manager, whatever. But, um, the program and the research they are not Someday they don't exist anymore. But still, we want to continue the development of that kind of development. So we need still network providers, which could somehow operate with the development. We need also the fellow developer or fellow manager, but now it should be his life to normal space producer. We don't, we don't know actually how, how to do this in reality, but uh, this is how it should be. Then um, I show you a couple of slides uh, located. Uh, they they um, uh, illustrate our project in my hometown. Here uh, are the main uh, industrial power areas in Tampere, those red squares. And this is the strategic level. We noticed that the, the plant, new plant, satellite, and the regional trade uh, uh, lines, they connect all those uh, power areas together. <coughs> Which means that, uh, well, these, these uh, transportation lines, they don't exist yet, but uh, they are positively built. You notice that uh, those, uh, those uh, uh, lines, new lines, uh, could support the development of those fellows. Because uh, the, the, the uh, transport public and vice versa. Also, uh, the development of those fellow areas could support. Uh, uh, building those uh, transportation lines. Uh, then we had the project in the Elastic, the uh, old former housing area. We planned the new kind of housing area. The metal area, which is a uh, uh, warehousing uh, uh, industry. But, uh, what a, a remarkable uh, multiplicity of, um, of uh, small creative firms and creative actors and so on. About 3,000 people uh, working in that area. But it's very close. So we should open it for public. 
very close to create uh, a qualified uh, quickness process. So, uh, talking about quickness, things are changed uh, very quick in Brazil and, and, and in Rio also. Uh, the economy is growing uh, a lot and uh, we are uh, facing also a very important social change. We have a new medium class that is supporting this uh, new economic growth. And talking about the city of Rio, we are living and facing, and this is a challenge also, a very historical momentum with uh, a lot of the, the possibilities of, of, of change. Uh, I would like uh, to, to show uh, this two, uh, 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 not totally different, but complementary visions to the city, to a, a special part of the city that is the downtown area. Uh, 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 somebody here knows Rio de Janeiro? This is Lapa. Lapa is in the downtown historical, uh, downtown area, uh, with uh, uh, a lot of uh, qualities, historical qualities, but also a lot of uh, urban problems as degradation and building and empty space. And uh, Lapa has the, 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 the most uh, one of the most uh, 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 most uh, well-known landmarks of Rio. You have we have the, the natural landmark and the aqueducts, uh, the water, water bridge of, uh, of Lapa. And and this is this area house uh, uh, supports a very strong defense. In fact. A totally incomplete defense. I call this kind of space as a teenager's space. This tremendous vitality in the outdoor uh, area, in the public space, uh, sometimes creates problems. Because uh, this uh, tremendous vitality creates some chaos and, uh, and, uh, and, uh, um, and entropy process. And, uh, and, and, and my sector in the in the in the, 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 the hall, we are uh, uh, working uh, almost two years with this this not only this area but with this community to create uh, a, a new kind and a, 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 a continuous uh, a quality to this public space to support this vitality and create more and more vitality because. Sometimes this kind of use, the Bohemian use and the, the nightlife uh, use, creates a, a, a curve where you so you get to this point, and if you don't uh, create more quality, this quality starts to, to, to increase. Well, Lapa is very well known about the Samba House with uh, a, a lot of cultural and, and entrepreneur people who, in fact, uh, if we start to, to bring life to this area. And uh, these cultural venues uh, also support a lot of musicians and a lot of samba uh, 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 houses. And well, talking about public space, uh, we have uh, this kind of totally uh, uh, not qualified, uh, not the right word, but this is uh, this chaotic use of the public space where people and cars and buses 
they all, uh, all mix it and, uh, and uh, with, uh, 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 with moves of urban quality. And we uh, just uh, start a project to uh, create more space to, to people and put cars uh, uh, away of this, of this area. And also to, to, uh, to uh, make this landmark uh, uh, more uh, uh, protected and also creating space for uh, public art and in the, in the, the part where uh, nobody wants to go there. And also creating space for, for cultural and artist uh, manifestation. Well, let's see another vision. Uh, this is the port area of Rio de Janeiro, it's 5 million square meters area with only 22,000 persons living there. So it's that the lowest density in the, the Rio de Janeiro city. And uh, this is an important project that uh, uh, now it's starting to make it possible uh, because, uh, uh, well, uh, let's see if I can keep my talk up after this presentation. <laughs> but uh, uh, we are talking uh, concretely about a, 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 a ten years of a, a good pragmatic view of the politicians. So this, in the last ten years, uh, and Brazil has uh, 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 is, uh, is, is, is living a good moment because these 10 years have created a very serious process of working and, uh, and uh, with uh, uh, a very specific focus. So the park area, the, the, the first uh, design to, to, to create, the, to promote the revitalization of the, the urban renewal of this area started almost 30, uh, 30 years ago. Uh, but only now with this, uh, uh, this kind of uh, pragmatic view uh, and this kind of project starts to make possible. And, uh, well, uh, we are uh, talking about a lot of uh, new urban uh, mobilities, qualities, and also uh, to create uh, important uh, new museums. As the, as that, that one, that is the Museum of Tomorrow, designed by Santiago Calatrava. Uh, uh, this museum will, will discuss uh, not only the environmental issues, but uh, how uh, the, 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 the humanity, the mankind, and the, 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 the city and the, the planet and could uh, stay uh, connect and, and focus and in uh, tomorrow and also in the, 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 in the present time. This is another important museum, a museum dedicated to the, 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 the uh, archives of uh, painting dedicated to the landscape of Janeiro, and the Museum of Art of Rio, designed by a local architect, uh, Jacob Stengi-Bernat. In fact, we are talking about the, the, the rebirth of the downtown area of Janeiro after 30 years of uh, lack of initiatives, lack of economy, a lack of people also. Uh, we have, we 
are totally stupid to all that forbidden and, and, and people to live in the downtown area. And this thing starts to change. <laughs> This is what happened now in the downtown area of Rio. Uh, well, Copacabana is not here, so I will help you. <laughs> uh, this, uh, this is the historical downtown area. This is the port area. And these are the, the cultural initiatives. And cultural leisure initiatives in the downtown area. Uh, and also, uh, it's very important, uh, a landmark restoration at the, the aqueduct, at the Moonfall Theater and the, the, the uh, urban uh, uh, restoration are very interesting projects to a concession here with a, 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 a traditional Portuguese community. And we have uh, and this uh, uh, kind of uh, cultural and labor initiatives are being bringing uh, together uh, uh, private and institutional initiatives. And, and this is the uh, 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 people, circles are cultural and square are uh, 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 private. It's not a joke. Uh, 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 this is what's happening now. Thank you very much. Shetland. 
this is a, a small town in Fife, a person rural part of uh, southern Scotland. Uh, this is a, an older building which you can see we've converted. It provided eight studios, a, uh, a flat again for visiting artists, and, uh, and uh, a room that is used both by the community and as a, and as a gallery by the artists. Then moving into a big city, oh, that's the, uh, the gallery stroke community room. Um, this is an abandoned 19th century uh, Victorian fish market. Uh, in those days, again, civic pride was much more important than people actually built fish markets when they believed fish was important. And it is, unfortunately, <laughs> fish markets have all moved away. I mean, actually, most of our fish is caught in, uh, in Scotland and either exported to Spain, but we sent it down to London to a fish market there where it's deprosed and then brought back to Scotland. So that's <laughs> a much more efficient way of delivering fish to the Scottish people than actually deliver own tea. Um, and that's, um, we converted it inside, you can see just a very simple play roof and so on, but it was a very big high space, so we're going between three levels of studios there. Uh, this is uh, 20th century, this is a cigarette factory. Uh, this is the office at the front with a, with a large factory behind, I'm sure you know the standard format, it's uh, typical all across the world. Uh, again, we put an extra floor on, uh, that's the developer, you know, we've got to um, maximise the, the income and the space and so on. Uh, there's the, some of the internal space, you can see it's cheap and simple, and it's really important. The, um, the, thing, the thing about artists is that um, they, their only concern really is for good natural light, and even that's less important nowadays with different changing artistic practices. For good natural light, and that, they like to be warm and dry. And, and, and actually artists are not looking for snappy places or expensive places, particularly when they start smashing materials around, not just paint, but all sorts of other things. In our big units like this, we can provide uh, uh, pottery kilns and uh, places for stained glass and things like that and so on. But those are in the very largest units, you can manage that. And what we do is, uh, our buildings are usually redundant. I mean, it's not a cigarette factory, but uh, again, nothing, you know, people still smoking themselves to death and drink numbers in Scotland. Um, but actually, of course, like everything else, bigger and bigger units, centralisation, centralisation. So, there are buildings all over Britain. They're built the same format in every region of Britain, but now they have just one factory in Britain to supply the whole of Britain. One of these were abandoned when we take them. So we buy them for a pound, or we get them gifted by, often by the public sector, redundant buildings, yeah, owned by a council and so on, and, and, and we convert them. Um, an artist for us is anyone who calls themselves an artist, and during any one year we have some about 750 artists in residence. Some of them are there for years and years, some of them come for three months to do a piece of conceptual work and then move on. Here's just a, you know, an idea of some of, the, um, some of the artists. You can see how varied and basic the spaces are and how varied the practices are. Okay, that was one space that we created. Here's one that's entirely different. This is uh, the Edinburgh International Science Festival. This time we started in Edinburgh 22 years ago. The, the Science Festival was the first ever science festival in the world. It's an annual event. It runs for about a fortnight in April. It comprises discussions, demonstrations, exhibitions, hands-on activity, lectures, debates, flaming rounds occasionally. It's quite exciting. <laughs> <laughs> it's actually. Um, here are two programs from a couple of years ago. Uh, well, one program is aimed at, uh, at children, and the other is aimed at uh, teenagers uh, and, and adults. And the location itself is not in a university of the festivals, not in a university, it's not in a big conference center, something like that. It's in the city itself. This is the location. Uh, this is a, a pretty picture. Don't, I mean, this is given to by a tourist board. I mean, it is very nice, but don't think it's just all like that. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, one of the schemes is. Um, 
Tim um, described the recent, uh, recent papyrus in Toronto. We have a scheme identical to that in Edinburgh and uh, something else we're working on. Again, uh, they're using uh, an arboretum as the means to, to change things. Really, so what we do is we take, uh, we cannibalize buildings. We use all sorts of buildings. We just do it for a fortnight. And it's a bit polyannish, you know, why don't we have a party here sort of thing. And um, the, we use uh, office buildings, art galleries, farms, uh, parks, uh, more obvious places like museums and guys and so So, and you see there, this is just a map showing all the venues. They're all over the place. They're mainly in the city centre, and it's important that people walk and move from one event to another and so on, just as you would in an arts festival. Um, but also there are some out of town using interesting, exciting places as well. Here are some of the events going on. This is something I'm very proud of. We did very early on. It's only recently we brought in the glasses. We just give you yeah. soldering irons. <laughs> <laughs>
there is a lot of content now that doesn't have a science festival, and they offer and they work really well. I mean, uh, the, the, the next two, one was in the Orkney Islands, which is uh, close to the Shetland Islands, I mean, a very tiny community in the middle of the sea, very, very isolated. They've been isolated in Scotland, never mind their own door. And the other second one, as uh, the same here, was in Canberra, the, uh, the capital of Australia. And yet they both work very successfully in each. Now, both of these things are created spaces for creativity, and there are two sort of broad lessons I'd like to draw. This ideas are not things. I've been doing urban regeneration for over 30 years, and there's an obsession, particularly with politicians, about things. You know, actually it's not things, it's ideas. And secondly, it's not about place, it's about people. If you get the people thing right, the place emerges. And when you do do place, you do it for people, not because it's a means to something else. You do it because people need that place to work in that way to do something, whether it's art in Rio de Janeiro or it's changing the region's park in, in Toronto. Thank you very much.
um, a program where we would actually fund <coughs> for our own community along the way. And we've done it now in our third time, called Mass 3. Um, through a sales tax program, we're going to raise $777 million to fund a number of projects for the benefit of the community. And um, as we've talked about this together and shared all these amazing things that are going on, we don't have these yet. We don't have creative placemaking being done in Oklahoma City. And the definition of, of creative placemaking is where artists live and work and commune and share um, to learn and enjoy from one another. We don't have that. Um, most of the cities that you've uh, heard about this afternoon are not 640 square miles. We talked earlier about, um, you know, are there, is there university participation? Yes, Norman is 17 miles. 17 miles, that's another country. Um, in and so the point is that um, our distance and our size has been and will continue to be divisive. And so we've got to find ways to commune closer to one another. And these small districts that we have today that exist are the beginning of what I think and hope everybody here thinks a very special uh, time and place for Oklahoma City. So um, I don't mean to sound like I'm lecturing, but I'm lecturing. And um, we need everyone in Oklahoma City to step up in a leadership uh, form and help us rise to the level that um, you've seen presented here today. And so um, we hope that the Creativity World Forum will be here again and that they will see uh, different things going on and wonderful things happening in Oklahoma City. So again, thanks for coming to Oklahoma City. I hope you have a great time here. and. Okay. Uh, okay, if I could ask the panel to come and join me as a sponsor. We've certainly heard a lot of different can people hear me? We're gonna to have to share this uh, microphone. Uh, we've heard from a museum director and an architect. Um, Director of Heritage, uh, and the property developer and uh, social entrepreneur. We've heard from that a lot of different perspectives on the panel. Um, I'm going to ask a series of questions, and I want you to be thinking about questions that you might have for any one of us. The first question I'd uh, like to ask the panel is what's the success when you think about creative placemaking? What's the time to success, and how do you measure that? Who might start?
that uh, the projects are already defined, that they are already um, uh, defined as a success before they even got started. Um, I think that one should consider projects. A successful project has always an experimental nature, has always the, the possibility that it completely fails and should not be measured in terms of, uh, should not be quantified in terms of um, uh, uh, people who were influenced <coughs> and so on and so on. The, 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 the example I gave of the hospital, I'm really not interested in how uh, the patients react on this drug and what will, how it will affect their illness or if it's doing well or not, not and so on and so on. It's about the contact between art and a potential individual in a certain condition of his life. And I think one should try to... Um, when, when one looks very attentive to our society, if it's in Oklahoma City or if it's in Ghent, in my country or in Scotland, we see that, that our society is full of failures. It's, it's, it's like there's more failures than success. And I think one should adopt the idea of failures and the experiment which involves failures, also the, 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 the practice of an artist is full of failures. Uh, one should use the idea of failure as a, as a motor and as a catalyst for, for development. I mentioned people being the key thing, actually, that's too simple. What is critical is people interactions. Okay. We need each other. Everyone's a biophiliac. And there's very good recent evidence that shows that uh, women who are more socially isolated suffer more and more vicious breast cancer than women who are less social isolated. Now, social isolation, social isolation, overcoming social isolation, that's a really bad phrase, um, it's just a matter of having local shops. It's about actually going in and speaking to someone in a shop, even if it's just to say, I'd like to buy two bags of tea and a box of biscuits or something like that, instead of queuing up in a supermarket and so on. It's about meeting people in the public square and so on. So if you're designing a public square, the question is, how do you do it in such a way that it encourages and supports social interactions? Mm -hmm. If you're building a shopping street, if you're building a set of artist studios or whatever, how do you create and enhance social interactions? If you advance the measurements, and if you make them better than they were, then you've done something really, really good. If you make them worse, and a lot of urban regeneration makes them worse, because people come and say, we build a big supermarket, and that will generate jobs, and, uh, and vitality in the community, it's rubbish. That's rubbish, you know, it's self-serving, it's rubbish. So that's, that's the measure, social interaction. Okay, so today we've heard a lot of different examples of uh, what communities have done to generate themselves. And I shared some of the examples uh, internationally and we've heard from the panel today. Uh, I think there's a danger in urban planning that one has the seen idea, like painting the town with multi-color right of color, you think, oh, we should do that here. There's a danger in this work that one, if you copycat it, you know, what a community has done down the road, that you won't sort of really um, do something that's real or authentic and um, uh, or effective. So how do we sort of um, continue to build a community practice with understanding about creative placing without falling into the trap of just copycatting and doing what the community next door is done? Any thoughts on that, uh, For all of you that are here that are from Oklahoma City, you know that, uh, that Oklahoma City is an aspiring Dallas, and uh, we always want to be Dallas or Houston or we want to be someone else. And it would be better if we would just be us. Mm -hmm. And I think that that um, attitude is beginning, and I believe that it's uh, 
Sure, we tried that in the 80s of uh, hoping that developers uh, would come and save us, and uh, they didn't. In fact, they made it worse, and we have some of their uh, unfortunate uh, leave behind still with us that I, for one, have renovated uh, trying to make it look better. They thought and told us that they were doing a favor. Well, um, we need to be us, and by being us, I mean that you need to understand where you live. You need to understand the American Indian culture. You need to understand what it's like to be to stand in a wheat field and to be six feet tall. You, you need to understand this place and be proud of this place. And I think that's really the key. How do you appreciate and enjoy and build your own places by understanding it and appreciating it and growing from that? Um, doing something that is inspired by the place that you occupy, not trying to copy some other place because it doesn't work. Uh, I would like to, to tell about the, the, the design aspect. Uh, uh, the, the area that I showed to you of the, the museum of tomorrow, designed by uh, Calatrava uh, uh, six years ago, there's a, a, the, the city hall, and uh, we made uh, other projects to, to that and, and contract uh, uh, the French architect uh, Jean Nobel. And, uh, and the, the project and the design of the, this museum uh, was a, a very provocative design and a, a very, uh, also a very conceptual design. And this design creates a, 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 a huge a, a, a reaction from the society. And uh, just uh, bring together with the dark test and uh, 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 contract with the Guggenheim Museum and this kind of uh, totally uh, important solution or this kind of copycat uh, solution or try to uh, create this, uh, this uh, Bilbao effect in Rio de Janeiro, create a huge uh, reaction from the society. The society put uh, uh, away this, this, this museum and this design, this, this franchise of the, 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 the Guggenheim Museum. And now we are talking about a totally different, for sure it's a global strategy, for sure it's a, it's a, a global architecture, uh, but uh, uh, with uh, uh, the, the focus to, to, to make the, uh, the, the local people, the Cariocas, proud of this. This area. And in this sense, the design of the architectural design uh, uh, made the rule a special uh, uh, action, but was a very respectful design with the, the context, the historical context of, of the area. And the, the, the museum is it, created by a, a local foundation. So it's the content is totally uh, uh, local and created uh, between universities, uh, 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 art foundation and uh, also physicians, uh, it's, it's a totally local content with uh, uh, this architecture uh, uh, and I would like to say something about this, because I don't like, uh, there are many things that I like, <laughs> uh, <laughs> I don't like the word local, you know, not because, um, and exactly because I defend the idea of the local. 
when one uses the word local, it means that uh, from the beginning you, you will separate something between something which is local and something which is not local. According to me, everything uh, from A to Z, from the Chinese wall to uh, the Cristo Redentor in Rio to, I don't know what the late work which is done in Bruges and so on and so on, has a local uh, capacity but at the same time has to do with a with, with universal scale. Uh, I think so uh, from the moment that one, one makes a difference between local and between oneself and the other anyway, one comes in a, in a thinking which has not to do with the kind of um, horizontal encounter, which has nothing to do with kind of the idea of the dialogue and the idea of listening <coughs> to each, each um, one's dialect. You know? I think it is fantastic we are two or six people and we all speak a very, uh, except uh, the Scottish and the Americans, but if not, we speak a very strange English. <laughs> <laughs> you know? And I, 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 I love it. Yeah. I think it's really fantastic. The idea of the differentiation, that it's not about the fact that I'm local or whatever, but that's about the idea that one has to understand that the skin, the taste of the earth, that the, the, when I'm visiting professionals in other countries, I'm not going, the first thing I will never do is to visit the Museum of Contemporary Art, even if it's my profession. But I will walk around in the city try to see how it is, how it's constructed, how people talk, what people do, um, um, what are the colors of the building, and only maybe the second day or the third day I will go to the museum. You know? So one has to try to see, to start from, from a kind of individual individuality, but see it kind of in a, in, in, in a, in a universal or a globalized you know, sense. I think you copy ideas, you don't copy things. The angel of the law, which you saw earlier in this presentation, genuinely successful. There are lots of politicians and local government officers all over Britain, all decided they want the big things that are going to transform their community, these are overwhelmingly really, really full of quality work for the provider completely useful. The idea, the idea about having a stimulated city, a community, bring that over. The idea of having a festival, sure, that's a good idea. You create your own community festival, whether it's science, arts, or whatever, you know? But, but copying things is a stupid mistake, but it's what government does for you. <laughs> 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 so, uh, I'd like to uh, advertise research in support because the um, uh, sociologists uh, have started to talk about seeds nowadays. Uh, they even say that uh, the scene is, uh, uh, is the new social group instead of uh, the uh, old um, uh, uh, social background. The scenes are cultural communities that uh, have their own uh, amenities and, and places in, in cities. Scenes uh, are, they, um, they express the uh, lifestyles and uh, cultural consumption. And uh, if we could understand that the local cities, uh, because they are about uh, uh, certain spaces, we could also especially support those cities. So it's a question of how we can uh, operationalize this uh, concept. Uh, so we need research uh, combined with uh, planning and design. Totally right. Uh, as I said, uh, uh, I said to you, uh, uh, I have a score in it. Uh, local is it's, uh, the wrong uh, definition. Uh, I, I think what is important, uh, 
whereby 95% is private and 5% is government. Uh, our museum SMUG has $5 million a year, whereby 95% is government <laughs> and 5% is private money. Uh, it's something to think about. Where, and I, myself, I'm thinking a lot because it, you see that uh, in, in the state, it also means that there is a commitment from private persons and companies towards museums, towards cultures, towards uh, social actions, and towards different fields. Whereby you see that the private persons within Belgium will make their own territory or build their own museum and go uh, turn to, to themselves. But at the same time, I think that thanks to the this um, autonomy that we get at the museum based on the support of the government. We have also a liberty which we can guarantee in terms of the artistic uh, choices, in terms of the acquisitions which are being done, and we are not being um, guided or looked at by a kind of arsenal of, uh, of private companies and all. But it's not an answer, but it's like an, an important observation uh, to... Thank you. 
what's already here, what's embedded here. Um, who are the, the people? What are the assets? What are the resources to construct the And building off of that, to do something that's really meaningful. And doing it from the bottom up, engaging people in this process and getting them excited. And then not being afraid to raise your aspirations to think big, because often you think too small, and therefore the consequences are, are marginal rather than really meaningful power. So I'm going to ask um, people in the audience if you have questions of anybody. Thank you. 
And today, if you visit Melbourne, it's a licensed city. And you went viral from this. So, you know, there are hundreds and hundreds of these you know, little uh, you know, sandwich shops and cobblers and you name it. Postage stamps size little things, but it actually enlivened the city in a, in a way that uh, really, really, really works. And it really required, though, for city government, for the planning department, and the private sector, and the artists, and the, you know, the art galleries, and, the, and uh, you know, it, it, it required them to come together and work together. So that's all. Well, this is another whole tradition, isn't it? I mean, you just say, here's a big space, fill it up. You know, I'm going to play I'm going to build a cafe, I'm going to build a small shop. Here's another idea from Holland. Take a city, an empty city block, put, put, put an allotment on it, mm-hmm. growing food and things like that, organic and all right, on and so on, and a small restaurant beside it, a cafe, that actually uses the crops to produce the goods and so on. It's exciting, it's buzzy, it's different. And it takes, occupies that block for 10 years while the rest of the place is changing, nothing's happened, and then you go on it. Nothing's forever, it's about pretty things that are worthwhile. It worked, it worked really well in Holland. Um, from the uh, urban planning perspective, this kind of uh, problem is uh, <coughs> because the, the, the deep structures, uh, they, are, they exist already. It's really very hard to change them. But, um, but you can do um, uh, urban acupuncture or, or urban surgery by doing, doing some uh, very uh, drastic lines. For example, you make a new tram line that, uh, that, uh, that uh, uh, connects different parts of the city and um, usually when, when there is the tram line for example travels uh, around a lot of, a lot of uh, different functions of people of course other questions? yes, right here um, uh, um, I, the one thing that you have said really resonated they remind me a lot of um, and places worth caring about and that kind of thing. And I just wanted to ask, you've had a lot of really good suggestions for solutions for Oklahoma City itself, but I think one of the things that you may realize when you're not is a big problem here is the suburban world and integrating suburbia with the city. And I think part of the reason that downtown has this burden is a place where people live because they all live out of the city. So and the question is all of you, how do we integrate this suburban line that we have much of a purpose right now with the rest of the city, or giving it its own purpose? I think it's genuinely difficult. Your physical inheritance is pretty appalling. A mass transit system is one way of starting to get back together again. Um, if you, I don't know what your planning control is in terms of private development are, to stop people building shopping malls on the edge of towns and things like that. Tell them if they want to build a shop, they're welcome to, just have to be in the city centre, you know, things like that. And say, <coughs> the multiplexes. I mean, we all used to build the town to go to the cinema, the film house or whatever you call it, you know. No, you don't. You drive somewhere, you make no engagement with anybody, you know, you don't come to the city and then go for a beer afterwards and meet your friends and all the rest of it. Cinemas are great things for a night in the city centre, but everybody goes to the cinema. You know, children, young, trendy uh, students, you know, older people, women out together for a romantic movie, whatever, you know, it's a great thing for a night in the city. But because you build them all, I mean, you're the same in Britain, I'm not saying that it's uh, a problem we've got, but we're trying to find where they're stopping. Uh, we've stopped building out of town shopping centres and things like that. Uh, it's not too late, but it's done serious damage. I don't think. It's very easy to find your place in trouble with I think what we are 
hope we might do is stimulate you to think of the right answers for us well, and it's what uh, Brandon was saying. You live here. You belong here. And I like my idea of taking a block and organising a new land race. You know, but you really take a whole block. The city buys it. When land is alone, the banks that destroy all the value, you know, so just buy it now under eminent domain and then have a race for it in quote marks. You know, great buzzy things, get something going, you know. And actually, it's out of those ideas that things will come. You know, I mean, the Melbourne people, you know, it came out of somebody getting up and off their backside and doing something, you know. So. Other questions? Final thoughts from our panel? <laughs> 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 you know, don't, don't do studies, don't analyze things, don't get reports, don't go for token iconic gestures and so on. Actually go and try and change the world in a positive way around people. That's what you do. It's the, the creativity here is in your own head and heart. Perfect. I'll end our place,